We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, January 4th. Uh, of course, a day that's better known as Al Jefferson's birthday. Happy 32nd to the great Al Jefferson toiling away for the Indiana Pacers, averaging 19 and 10 per 36 minutes. Not quite getting to 36 minutes on the season, uh, hovering a little bit closer to 14, 15. Uh, but still, one of the uh, one of the all-time greats, speaking of which, on this day in 2005, uh, you, like myself, I'm sure, woke up uh, with, with a fever this morning and were thinking, like, wow, something, something happened 11 years ago to this day, and I just have to figure out what it was. And this is what it was. Jermaine O'Neal, 55 points and 11 rebounds for the Indiana Pacers. Also on this same day in 2005, Kevin Garnett, 47 points and 17 rebounds. So... Two of the better power forwards uh, of the the mid two thousands erupted on this day eleven years ago. Did you mean to say that Al Jefferson was one of the greatest to ever play? Was that intentional? Did I? I don't know. It slipped I out. 
I think that's why I woke up in a cold sweat because maybe I knew you were going to say something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, that feature on Basketball Reference has completely lost you. Like yeah, you, you getting, uh, your life is unraveling. Right. Uh, it's yeah. It's my. I have like my favorites bar, you know, on Chrome, and it's just that site like eight times. So like no matter what one I click, it brings each, me there. Each feature. Home page is there. My, when I click to go to my Gmail, it just redirects to the basketball <laughs> reference page. Um, so Al Jefferson's nickname on, on basketball reference, which is as awesome and great and reliable as basketball reference is, the nickname section on the site, and anyone who's used it has probably noticed this, is off the wall crazy. Like some of the stuff that you see in there, is just like, who who put this in here? Has anyone called him this? This one I could kind of see. This one isn't all that crazy. But Al Jefferson is listed as the big classic. I mean, I like that. It makes sense. But does anyone actually call him the big classic? No, I've never called him the big classic. Um, I, maybe like the big guy. I, I, I've definitely the called him guy. the big guy. That the, would be the big guy out there. That would be a That's great a good nickname. nickname. The big guy. Well, let's let's give that nickname to somebody. Who we want right now? Maybe Joel Embiid. I, I like his I like, nickname I like right now. Nurkic, but like with Nurkic, you have to you have to incorporate some sort of like suspicious European nickname, you know? Right. Uh, like the big guy is just too. Like if Kenny George would have made it to the NBA, he would have been the big guy. <laughs> um, Dwayne Wade, for example, like I just happened to be on his page. D Wade, Flash, Wow, are all listed. You know, those are all prominent nicknames of Dwayne Wade, and then Pookie. <laughs> Who calls Dwayne Wade like, oh, man. You, I think, well, you see that game by Pookie last night? I think Gabrielle Union probably calls him Pookie, <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe, maybe Gabrielle Union is running these. You know, what are the odds that these are way more insider than we'll, we'll ever know? Like, this is like with their mom or parents yeah, or their like significant other. Co- yeah, maybe this is more in-depth than, I mean, because basketball reference is 100 across the board. And so I think right. that we might yeah, no, be I, undervaluing what they're giving us. Yeah, like Michael Jordan, you know, Mike, Air Jordan, MJ, his airness. Goat, Superman, all that, but like Black Cat, <laughs> Black Cat. Like when if you said to someone like, "Who's the greatest player of all time?" You're like, "Black Cat, obviously," and they'd be like, "Who?" Like I don't know who I would even think is the Black Cat. Did he get the uh, goat emoji or the G O A T? All caps, oh. and it's like an acronym, so it's got periods after each letter. Yeah, he doesn't so get yeah, the emoji. Not... He came after the emoji. So Jordan, yeah, I think emo- emojis definitely came. It was close. It was close, but yeah, Jordan predated emojis by a good decade. Um, okay, so we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff as usual. Um, haven't talked a lot of hoops with the, with the new year and stuff. You know, I was I was out of the office yesterday, uh, battling uh, just a devastating cold. Um, you know, obviously, I, I've kind of built this reputation around the office as being like this resilient, you know, kind of tough guy. You know, not somebody you want to we, mess with. We call you the big guy, around right? The office. Yeah, the big guy, uh, the tough guy, and you know, I just couldn't tough it out. I looked myself in the mirror yesterday, trying to, you know, at like eight thirty in the morning. I'm like, should I go to the office? And you know, my reflection just kind of looked, looked me back and was like, no, go go back to bed. And then you sent me a text, hey, can you cover my media right. stuff for me? Correct. I, That's exactly what the I big did. guy's not going to make it in. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like. Don't tell anybody I'm sick. Tell them I, you know, I'm on my deathbed or something. Uh, but no, I'm back. As you can, as you can probably hear, my nose is not really functioning right now. But that'll come. Don't really need that to do a podcast. Uh, but let's start with Willie Reed. You know, who else would we start with? Let's see if he has a nickname on Basketball Reference. Let's see if he's even on Basketball Reference. You know, you have to repeat his name twice because people have never heard of him Willie before. Reed, not Willis Reed. Right. Exactly. Um, 
You're the Will second Reed. person to make that joke to me today, by the way. Not Willis uh, Reed. Willie Reed. Okay. Who made? It? Who else what have you been talking to about Willie Reed? <laughs> Michael Kim of oh, 120 nice. Sports, former ESPN anchor. The Michael Kim. Yeah, he, he was the first guy to – Friend he of the beat, program. He beat you to that joke today. Okay. He's actually a friend of the program, unlike he all is. the other people we yeah, say. Yeah, right. Are. That's the thing. We, that's, we've, we're kind of like the boy who cried friend of the program because <laughs> now, like, no one's a friend of the program. Um, so, Willie Reed, 11 of 16 from the field last night in Phoenix. The Heat lost. They've lost a lot of games now. They've lost something like it's got to be nine out of their last 10, I believe. Uh, but this was by far the best game of Willie Reed's career 22 points, 18 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, and a steal. Uh, in 32 minutes, the Heat have been banged up. You know, there's reasons that guys like Willie Reed are taking as many shots as just about anyone on the court. They didn't have James Johnson. They didn't have Justice Winslow. They didn't have Whiteside. They didn't have Tyler Johnson. They didn't have Waiters. So basically, they had eight players, and one of those guys was Udonis Haslam, who I don't know if he is like if like he's physically able to play more than 20 minutes. This is not what he signed up for. He did not no. sign up to play basically any minutes at all, but yeah. he's been thrust into he, like a, ma- a, a significant role right. when you only have eight players healthy. Food poisoning, right shoulder, right eye, migraine, coach's decision, a.k.a. waiters, is not ready yeah. to come back yet. Yeah, uh, Haslam should have just gone to the Cavs this year, right? Like why? That just, this just seems like his year to kind of go hang out with James Jones. and I mean, he'd be playing minutes for the Cavs right now with the way that that roster is kind of decimated on the back end uh but Willie Reed don't want to talk like too much about him specifically because like I don't think you know if you're talking fantasy or whatever there's not like it's not like Willie Reed's going to keep this up or he's even going to play this many minutes once you know any of those guys that we mentioned who are out are back like Willie Reed's the first guy on that list besides Haslam to see his minutes reduced um but you brought this up earlier as it kind of reminds you of the conversation of you know like how many guys are there in the league like Willie Reed that if you gave them 32 minutes would put up something like this and 22 and 18, especially the 18 rebounds is probably unrealistic, but like how many guys are sitting out there where you say like, man, if he was playing 30 minutes instead of 16 minutes, this guy would be really good. So I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there. Right. And so John Henson for me has always been the poster child for this discussion and on this side, and we're going to flip it and, and go the reverse way as well. Um, somebody whose per 36 numbers are always great in terms of fantasy. You stash him at the end of your bench and really hope, hope, hope that one day he matures into a starting, a starter's role. Because when he does go out there, you know, he'll get you a block, a steal, five rebounds, and six points in a matter of 14 minutes. And you're like, man, if this guy could play 32 minutes, he'd be amazing. Willie Reed apparently is in that category. Nobody knew, but I, I guess he probably be, could he probably could be. Um, somebody else, uh, probably the biggest name um, that who is stuck behind a solid front court, Al Jefferson, mind you, in Utah is Ennis Cantor. Derek Favors was also in this boat. So they had a I mean they had a front court of Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson, and mm-hmm. waiting in the wings was Ennis Cantor and Derek Favors. I think that's probably the best examples maybe ever for this type of discussion is those two. Uh, but you could argue, maybe you want to do that now, Nick, that Ennis Cantor is actually still in that boat, that if he was given more minutes, he'd be able to produce even more. But he's still in a loaded front court now in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cantor's kind of the guy for me. And he's not, he's certainly not Willard Reed in terms of nobody knowing who he is and coming out of completely nowhere. I mean, he's been a, a factor in this league for a long time. But, I mean, he's the guy that, Per 36, offensively, he stacks up with, with like anybody at his position, you know, if you want to call him a center or power forward, whatever. As a scorer on the interior, like, he's as good as anyone. The efficiency, not always great. Obviously, he's horrible on D, and that contributes a lot. 
to why he's not playing 35 minutes a game. But, I mean, per 36 this season, 23.4 points, 10 rebounds, an assist and a half, and, and over one block per game. So even though he's like, he gives up a lot on defense, like he's a decent rim protector. It's not like he's a complete sieve in that regard. He's just so absent-minded a lot of times. Um, I mean, those are elite big man numbers. And I don't think he's the type of guy where you say – it's not realistic for him to like match his per thirty six. Like there are some guys who you you know you just say like all right if he's playing double the minutes his production's going to fall off. Like twenty three and ten for Enos Kanter if he was playing thirty six minutes every night seems really reasonable. Uh, so he's one of those guys. It's just at this point he needs to be on the right team that just is punting basically. You know like if he was if he was on the Sixers and they didn't have or let's just say the Nets because the Sixers front court situation is a mess. Like if he was on the Nets and Brooke Lopez went down for whatever reason, or they traded Brooke Lopez, like, he would play 35 minutes a night and could easily put up those numbers. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's arguing with that, arguing uh, you on that with that point. I think that he probably is the best answer. Uh, I, and, of course, John Henson is still uh, a good answer as well, although he's finally seeing a little bit more minutes, and he hasn't quite been that wonder boy we've always wanted him to be over the course of the last three, four seasons. Next player that you want to talk about, Marquise Chris. And that's somebody who's seeing minutes too. Obviously, he's coming of age in his in his rookie season, but this one I might actually combat you with because I don't know that if he sees more minutes, he's necessarily going to put up more production than he already is. Yeah, I mean, I, this is based on a pretty small sample size, um, you know, with Chris only playing, what, 36 games as a rookie. Um but I kind of liked what I've seen from him. I mean, considering just, I mean, he was probably among the three most raw players taken in the top 15 in this draft and, and what was a pretty raw draft overall and what's looking like not necessarily the strongest draft. Um, but I, I, th- I think he's looked a little bit more impressive uh, than I expected that he would right away. That's not saying all that much. I mean, he's you know not playing that many minutes he's not putting up these huge numbers but I mean just the other night I mean they played him for 30 minutes in that game against Miami last night 18 points six rebounds two assists two steals you know one turnover uh did pick up four fouls that's the issue for him he fouled at an unbelievably elite rate at the college level um and that's kind of carried over to the NBA but uh he's a guy I think that's further along than expected and I I think if Phoenix makes some moves and and kind of goes even more into the tank than they already are uh he's somebody that I could see you know averaging something like I don't know 15 and 6 you know over the second half of the season which would probably move him into like second for rookie of the year so do you think that he needs to be shooting the three-pointer right now he's attempting about 2.2 per game knocking him down at just under 31 percent I think that there's just such this revolution that every single big guy or basically everybody on the court needs to be able to stretch the court and shoot the three to some people's detriment. I almost kind of think that Chris should just be hanging out in the paint. I mean, let's just look at our own backyard, literally in our own backyard here in the Madison office, and look at the Cole Center. Nigel Hayes was jacking up so many threes to start the season to the detriment of the Wisconsin Badgers because... He toured around the NBA, and they all told him, you need to be shooting three-pointers. You need to be shooting three-pointers. Finally, he stopped doing that because it's good for his college team, but he knows when he moves to the NBA, everybody's going to be looking for it. And I'm kind of wondering, I'm looking at Marquise Chris right now, and I'm wondering if they're, you know, forcing a square peg into a round hole. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe. I think Hayes is a good example, though. They they brought that up on the Badger telecast last night. I think he's got six three-point attempts in his last nine games after, I mean, he took nine in one game earlier this season. Um, so that, that is a good example. I, I think Chris, though, like, he's always kind of been a shooter. I mean, he took 63s in college, and that's like two a game at Washington. Um, like, that's just part of his package. Like, it's not something that I don't think they're trying to develop with him. It's just that was part of the appeal is that he shoots the three at a decent clip for – a guy who's only been playing basketball for like five years. That's fair. I, I just wonder how, like how 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 far can you go before you tell him that he can't do it? I mean, let's let's look at Giannis and Jabari Parker. They started off their careers being told by Jason Kidd, "Do not shoot any three pointers," and we're seeing the flip side of that with Marquise Chris. Hey, shoot three pointers. We're a bad team. Just keep jacking them up. But long term, that's what you want. That's what we want you to do. When really, he just seems like a really athletic guy that should be hanging around the pen cleaning up misses and just grabbing rebounds. I mean, it's not a big deal if that's his only role on the team is to clean up the glass, right? Apparently he's it is. He's a great rebounder. That's the thing. Like right now, if you want to go per 36, he's only averaging like seven rebounds a game. And he wasn't like a huge volume rebounder. He's still pretty slight, but he's a great, great athlete. And, you know, he blocks shots at a fairly reasonable rate for a rookie. Um, not great by any means, but um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think he would be like a, even like a plus player by any means this season if he saw more minutes. I just think he's been a little bit better than I expected. Like I didn't think he I thought he would play in like thirty games this year and would maybe spend a lot of time in the D League, but he's been a rotate I mean he's made twenty nine starts. I'll say this. Um I want to earmark like this pod and this discussion for the next time we have a draft. Because two years ago when Miles Turner was drafted out of Texas, everybody said he's a project, he's a project. Mid season last year, yeah. he was a legitimate contributor to the Pacers. This year, same thing with Chris. He's a project, he's a project. He's a legitimate I mean he's starting for them at right. power forward. I mean, Turner's make no mistake i mean he's much better and much further along no i get but that still, yeah. but what i'm saying is that this next draft whenever we lo- like designate somebody as a project don't necessarily think right. that you know if, if they take a high draft on them and they're high on them the team apparently is willing to throw them out there right yeah i mean it's all relative too i mean miles turner five-star recruit every you know everybody kind of thought he'd be a one and done chris was virtually unknown i mean some scouting services had him 50 beyond you know beyond 50 in their rankings like he totally came out of nowhere but yeah that is that is a good comp trey lyles is another guy to me that you know came on a little bit last year and whenever they've had opportunities for him he's played pretty well but he's now in a similar situation to what you know favors was in four years ago like you mentioned i don't i mean he's not quite that kind of talent but yeah, that's a, that's the thing. I get this. Uh, you and James are still a little bit higher on Lyles than I am, um, but it is funny that now he's backing up somebody who was in his position. But we were way higher on Favors. We were way higher on Cancer than we were at Lyles at this point. Lyles is a different player, though. So he is one of those stretch four guys that lit- legitimately can stretch the floor, whereas Favors wasn't Canner, not mm-hmm. really. Um, so I, I think that's a good answer. Um, he's seeing decent minutes, though. I, I think he's seeing around 21 per game, yeah. eight points, four rebounds. I'm, I'm not surprised by that. If you double his minutes or, you know, one and a half times that, then he's he's getting you wild. I mean, we might as well look at our his per 36. So just under 15, seven rebounds. That's what I think for him. And so um, I don't, I'm just not that I mean, high on this him. This dude is playing more minutes than Enos Cantor. And I mean, I totally, it's totally justifiable why Enos Cantor is not playing that many minutes. But I'm just saying, like, Enos Cantor per 36 is averaging like 10 more points and three more rebounds. 
Right. Just, it, uh, yeah, no, I, I think in terms of this header of where that we have players who would produce if given yeah. the opportunity, Kanner is head and shoulders above somebody like Lyles, right. but Lyles certainly is a legitimate candidate yeah. for this. Somebody I have, uh, Justin Hamilton, uh, he came out strong. I literally said this exact same thing in the preseason pods, and I said Justin Hamilton, the very first game Hamilton had this season, he proved my point right immediately. Hasn't so much done that of late. He had a... Um, was it a migraine issue or an illness, something like that recently? He hasn't really gotten back to where he was. Uh, but when that guy is out on the court, he's a very good per per 36, especially if you want to look at across-the-board production for such a big guy that's center-eligible, shooting threes at a high rate, blocks and steals, in addition to your points and rebounds. So that's why I like him so much in terms of players who would produce if given the opportunity because we know he can do quite a bit already with about 18 mm-hmm. minutes per game. Yeah, I mean, let's let's flip this on the other side. Then you know, the the other way to look at it, I guess, is guys who put up empty numbers in some ways, and in, in that meaning, they play a ton of minutes for whatever reason, whether they're a veteran who's just kind of entrenched in a role, or they're on a bad team. Like, who are guys that are only producing? And again, there, there's kind of a caveat here, but only producing because they have you know this clear path to guaranteed minutes every night. So. There's two major answers here for me, and outside of the Heat and the Nets' entire roster, that's pretty clear. That's obvious. Um, Willie Reed, for example. Uh, but Contavious Caldwell Pope and Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, we could be one or two years away from Moutier just falling out of the rotation completely, them going with Jamal Murray, or them drafting another point guard entirely in this year's draft. KCP is locked into so many dang minutes. He's locked into like 37.5 per night that, of course, an NBA player is going to score 22 points occasionally if you're going to play 36 minutes. And so his numbers are all, all over the place to me to the point where I'm thinking – you know what? That might just be the product of being on the court for a long time every single night. So KCP, Emmanuel Moudet, my two options for this category. Moudet, for sure. I'm so out on Emmanuel Moudet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Monte Ellis is another guy you have here. And it's like, with KCP, it's like he's so good defensively that like there's a reason he's out there. And there's a lot of guys like that, you know, like, you can just say, you know, maybe they're not so great offensively, but they have to be out there for defensive purposes. Um, yeah, Rubio... Um, I have here the entire Heat and Nets roster. Like, this one's hard. Like, I don't know, you know, it feels like you're almost, like, calling players out, you know? like That's exactly what playing I'm doing. More than you, like, is this just, like, who's playing more than they should? Because, like, you could make this case for anybody. It's like, if LeBron was playing 20 minutes, his numbers wouldn't be as good. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. So I guess the the official title we have is players who produce only because they have a clear path to minutes. So essentially, um, if you want to look at it one way, if you reduce KCP's minutes down to something like 18 and then looked at his per 36 numbers, I think they would be pretty bad and you wouldn't be necessarily clamoring for him to see more minutes. So basically, this is the way I'm looking at it. If he was playing half the minutes he was and we see him for a full season and we're saying, man, we got to get that guy back on the court for more, we would never say that about KCP under that circumstance. We'd never say that about Moutier, and we wouldn't say that about rookie Rubio. If you want to compare stats and look at somebody right now, how about Sergio Rodriguez? Because Sergio Rodriguez gets a ton of assists. He facilitates his team, and he's seeing, what, like 22 minutes per game, 24 minutes per game. If Rubio was in that same role and you just covered their names, I don't think that there would be much difference whatsoever. So that's how I'm looking at this. If you cut their minutes in half, watch them for 10 games, would we be clamoring for them to see double their minutes if that makes sense to you at all that does okay 
Um, John Wall was named the player of the month for the month of December. Speaking of nicknames, Optimus Dime is what's listed as his nickname on Basketball Reference. Kind of like that. I like it a lot. Never heard it before, though, so I'm a little I'm yeah. a little sketched out about it, but I, I like it quite a bit. Optimus Dime. I wonder if he would like that. I don't know. Do you think he's seen Transformers? That's what that's from, right? There's so many. Just th- be so cavalier about movies. Yeah, uh, Optimus Prime is the is like the main. Um, wow, we're about to get in trouble with a major part of our uh, audience. Optimus Prime is the main robot dude, the mo- the main Transformer, uh, like the lead one. And so Optimus Dime, obviously a play on the Transformer thing. There's so many Transformer movies out there that he's had to have seen one of them, at least a trailer. Yeah, you would think. Seems like a Transformers. What do you guy. think about Shia LaBeouf was the main guy transitioned into Mark Wahlberg? Like in terms of stepping down, that I mean, I think that's the best I, step down a franchise has ever taken, right? I or was it a step up? I don't. I I don't know. I've never really seen Transformers. Like Mark Wahlberg is like better than Shia LaBeouf, right? I, I kind of think so. It's I think so. Well, Ma- I Megan think Fox was better. like in the first couple, and then she dropped out. Of that. Yeah. I know you're not into good movies. actress. This like is that, a, that Megan Fox is like honestly the worst worst person I could have asked that question. Probably. Well, I mean, I, I feel like Mark Wahlberg is a considerably more venerable actor than Shia LaBeouf, right? Like, isn't he kind of a joke at this point? That's a serious question. Like, isn't he like? Isn't he like the Steve Francis of acting? Well, here's the thing. We grew up in the generations of even Stevens. Right. So he was a child actor. He started off as high as possible. But no, he's pretty good. Like Eagle. Was it Eagle? You've never seen movies, so I can't like bounce movie names off of you. Shia LaBeouf is pretty solid. Mark Wahlberg is definitely a bigger guy. I feel like Beans from even Stevens was probably the best out of those three. Yeah. All right. Finally, finally we have common ground on on movies and TVs. What an actor. Um, so Wall closed December averaging 23.5 points, 10 assists, 4.5 rebounds, 2.3 steals. Already has more offensive win shares than he had all of last season, um, quietly putting together a really, really, really good season. And this just follows the theme of Westbrook and Harden have been so good that guys like Wall, even Durant, LeBron, Kawhi, they're in the MVP race, they're being talked about, but it doesn't feel like they're in the MVP race and it doesn't feel like they're being talked about. Well, LeBron, especially over the last couple of days, his, his bandwagon is, is starting to get together, and you're having these proponents championing LeBron, which is just hilarious. Like, hey, don't forget about him. It's like, we know about LeBron, but at, like I say, Nick, I say this all the time, we're always ready to anoint the best, greatest player, right? And so LeBron still is the greatest player right now, but we're always ready to look at the next and look over the horizon, who's coming, and guess what? It's James Harden, it's Russell Westbrook, they're here. More importantly about John Wall, nobody cares, because they just want to know if he's going to get traded or not. Yes, he's having a great season, but he's somewhat unhappy in Washington. The Wizards are unhappy with how they've played so far. It'd be fun if he reunited with DeMarcus Cousins in one way or another, and it'd be fun if John Wall went to a team and pushed them over the edge, because people do consider him to be one of the best point guards especially in the east and he certainly could make a difference on a boston team on a you know pick a team and he could certainly make a difference yeah yeah and somehow it still feels uh like like he's generally underrated and i guess a lot of it has to do with kind of the up and down nature of this wizards team uh but looking at the mvp race uh basketball reference which does not sponsor this podcast uh although it sometimes feels like it they do uh, an MVP award tracker uh, on the website, and this takes into account team record as well as statistics, and uh, it's been pretty good in the past at predicting MVPs. James Harden, 
number one, 57% chance to win, so says Basketball Reference. Durant, two, LeBron, three. Then Westbrook down at four. Curry, Kawhi, CP3, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, and Giannis Antetokounmpo running out the top ten. So I do believe it's kind of a three-man race right now between Harden, James, and Westbrook. I think whatever formula goes into this doesn't account for the, the Westbrook craziness uh, you know, that, that is averaging a triple-double. And, and I, at this point, think he's probably going to keep that up. You know, I don't know how much more we have to see uh, over the course of a season. LeBron has the finals momentum. He has the – it keeps helping him that Cleveland, whenever he doesn't play, just gets housed and looks terrible. Like that somehow helps him, I think. Um, you know, they're – I think they're 26-4 and four this year when he plays. Um, and, and some of those games have been without other members of the big three. So he has that argument, and obviously he's putting together another vintage year. Durant, I don't think, is really in this conversation. And same applies to Curry because – they're they're being penalized, I think, for what happened this off season, uh, and and in my mind, somewhat rightfully so. Um, that's just kind of part of the business when you pair four, you know, basically second team All NBA at least caliber players on one team. You kind of sacrifice your your MVP status. Um, so I think it's Harden, LeBron, uh, and Westbrook right now. I know you have another guy who you think could maybe kind of slither his way into this conversation. Definitely, and that's Giannis. I think you said that he's 10th right now. Is he going to win it? No, he's not going to win it. But if there were some kind of odds out there or some money I could put for him to creep up the rankings further than he is right now, then I yeah. sure as heck would okay, go with him. Would you, would you put money on Giannis winning an MVP? Well, we'll start with this. Would you put money on him finishing in the top three of MVP voting in the next three years? Yes, yeah, easy, easy, easy. Right, I think he could be four. in the next three years. Yeah. How about, I was going to follow that up with winning one in the next five years. He's going to win one in the next five years, three years. It gets interesting for me. Well, uh, it's like to me, it's like how much better can he really get? You know, like is he going to be so much better in four years than he is in three years? Like well, I don't know. You know. Here's the thing, Nick. He doesn't need to get any better. His stats don't need to get any better than they are this year. Yeah. The Bucks need to get better. And so again, you you talked about Russell Westbrook, and he's number five right now, right on this list from Basketball Reference, number four. And people are probably awestruck by that how many times do we go on uh media appearances everywhere everybody wants to talk about russell westbrook and you know when we talk about doing daily fantasy and we say i might not use russell westbrook in fact i really don't use him that often and people are just absolutely flabbergasted like you said there's something around this averaging a triple-double that is unmistakable, that is not being calculated in basketball reference, and we love them, but they're going to be pretty induced into the record, which makes mm-hmm. sense because if you do look back at the past MVPs, which they're doing, um, traditionally that's who wins it, but there's an aura, there's a glimmer, there's something around Russell Westbrook, right. and we've both, everything, we, every media appearance we do, that's the first question. Russell Westbrook, what do you think of him? I also think, like, we have to give mention to just how unbelievably strong the top of the NBA is right now. And we, we did that when we talked to All-Star a couple of weeks ago and All-NBA teams, things like that. But, like, Steve Nash won the MVP. And I hope James can hear me outside of our <laughs> studio because he'll come running in and tackle me. Steve Nash won the MVP <laughs> averaging 15 and 10. Oh, sorry, sorry, I misread that. 16 and 12. And we're rounding up. 15 and a half, 11 and a half. Great numbers. There is no 
chance he's in even the top eight right now. And obviously the Suns being great back then helped. You know, he kind of had the narrative of, of being the engine for those teams, and he obviously was, and he was great. Uh, but he was a horrible, horrible defender. He, you know, at that point in his career, wasn't a great three-point shooter. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. He was a great three-point shooter. Um, but it's just I, the season, I'm making a bad argument because I keep misspeaking, but that season is what I'm trying to say, like, wouldn't even be in the conversation this year. Here, here's what it is, and I don't know how many times i got to say it. Ready to anoint the next best and greatest. If you look at the winners before, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal, Karl Malone, Michael Jordan. That kind of era was ending. And I know KG and Tim Duncan continued to play, but them being a, a dominant force in the NBA was ending. People were ready to look at your Dirk Nowitzkis, your Steve Nashes, and then after that, your LeBron James. Obviously, Kobe finally stuck in there 2007, 2008. But you could make the argument that people were kind of ready to anoint somebody after him. Him when Steve Nash won. In fact, that is kind of the argument. The where that argument fails is that Steve Nash won it back to back. Um, yeah, with like two seasons that wouldn't even compare. Right. Um, yeah, even like Dirk winning it in 06, 07. And you have to adjust for like, you know, pace of play is up, things like that. Uh, but I mean, he averaged basically 24 and a half, nine rebounds, three assists. I mean, like. Kawhi would like easily win the MVP that year with these numbers that he's putting up this year. Like, I mean, those numbers to me, like aren't all that much better than, you know, what, what Curry's doing at the point guard spot. Like Kevin loves putting up comparable numbers. Like they aren't. And, and you know what? It, again, there's this aura around the way Steve Nash played, the fact that he was running that offense, the way he was doing it in seven seconds and all this stuff, the same way that we're looking at Russell Westbrook, that that dude is just going out there and powerhousing a triple W double. It's not the same the way that Steve Nash played, but it's something new. It's not new. It's something reinventive, I guess. Um, if you want to throw it back to Oscar Robertson, but, I don't. You can just keep saying it and keep saying it that Russell Westbrook technically is fourth on that list, but he's number one right now. He just yeah, is. I think, and I think even it's Harden, though, but yeah, you could make the case. Well, right, and and Harden has to come out and have a game of fifty-five points and massive amount of rebounds, massive amount of assists to be considered right there one and two. And when if you look at Russell Westbrook numbers, he's doing great, but he's just doing it more consistently. He's not having mm-hmm. massive, massive games like Harden did. So I think it probably should be Harden. But you know what? We just there's I too much. I really think you I think, think so? it will have. Like if the season ended now, I think it would be him. The thing is, like the Rockets are better than people thought, and I think OKC is also better than people thought. So like neither guy has like the really strong you know, carrying his team argument because they're both kind of doing that. And, like, Harden, I guess, is doing it a little better. D'Antoni, which yeah. coach? D'Antoni is essentially going to or could get, um, you know, yeah. three if James Harden wins MVPs right. based on his system. Finding a player that works in his yeah. system. I mean, man, he was really lost in the wilderness there for a little bit when he was with New York and L.A. considering when he has this guy – his teams are good. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, we should also recognize, by the way, on, on New Year's Eve, this went fairly unmentioned because of so much going on on New Year's Eve in the sports world. Harden went for 53, 17, and 16. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, what? Historic. Historic. The turnovers line. are an issue. He has a lot of turnovers. He has at least six turnovers in each of his last six games. Russell Westbrook and James Harden averaged the same amount of turnovers, about five and a half per game. 
that argument. A huge amount of turnovers. But, yeah, I mean, it just comes with the territory. Well, if you want to look at the nine categories, the classic nine categories, the last I checked at the end of December, um, I believe – Russell led two of those, so rebounds and points. They tied on turnovers, um, steals and blocks maybe. But then you look at Harden, and he was winning three or four to the rest of the categories in terms of the percentages, uh, the assists, and the three-pointers made. And so if you want to even look at it from a fantasy perspective, you would say James Harden is actually having the better year. Guess what? The thing that also matters quite a bit, his team is having the better year as well. Yeah, and there's not another like there's the Rockets have a lot of good players but there's not another like really recognizable big time name on there that I I think he like he has the same amount of help you could argue as Westbrook right it's maybe the help around him fits better but like it's it's kind of hard to make an argument that Houston is like a significant amount better in terms of surrounding talent and depth I think they are better but I don't think there's like a big gap there you know like Depot might be the second best player between both of those teams right and that's that's the example I was going to use is if you want to if you want to talk about that argument then name me the second best player on the Rockets you could get four different answers from people and you could do the same with the Thunder and probably get a couple of different answers but uh, I think the fact that Harden is head and shoulders way better than everybody else on his team we're not talking about even a Cleveland Cavaliers situation where LeBron is amazing, but Kyrie and Kevin Love are pretty good too. And so it's it's harder to distinguish between those three, um, but it's not near – I mean, it's so easy to distinguish between Russell and his teammates and James Harden and his, his mm-hmm. teammates, making it easier to say that this guy truly does value whatever meaning you want to put into the most valuable player on, on a team or in the league entirely. All right, um, we talked about Giannis. Big Lee Jenkins piece came out, um, I think yesterday. Should be out in the newest edition of SI, whatever that hits newsstands. Uh, but I don't, want, I don't want to talk about him too much. We kind of already hit on that. It's basically not to diminish anything that Lee Jenkins has written because it was obviously great, as is everything that he writes. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of the same story that you've heard about Giannis. He, yeah. he was a, you know basically a street peddler in Greece. He's been Wisconsin. He's this you know, kind of naive kid who didn't know anything about culture in, in Wisconsin, didn't know who Jason Kidd really was, yada, yada, yada. Um, he's 100% locked in as an all-star at this point. We just talked about him as a possible MVP candidate. Um, it's The Giannis hype, I think, has, like, really, really taken off in the last week even, you know, like even that short of a term. Like, he's his ascendance in the last, if you want to look at it, over, like, the last, like, four or five months total – is crazy. I mean, even at the end of last season, would you, would you have said, I'm locking this guy in, all-star next year? Like, no way. I wasn't even locking him in like a month ago. Um, and all of a sudden now, he's like the most efficient player in the East. He's like arguably, like the numbers say he's been the best player in the East so far. Uh, obviously, there are other metrics that you have to employ there. And, you know, he's not better than LeBron, et cetera. But, I mean, it's the sky seems to be the limit all of a sudden for a guy who we knew was really, really good. But I don't, I don't know if there was that belief last year that next year this guy is arguably a top five, top ten player in the league. It was always like, can he be number one for this team? Like He is the guy going forward and in three years will probably be the best player in the East. Yeah, and again, let's anoint the next best and greatest. Could win the MVP in the next three years. LeBron is going to have similar numbers to this year, perhaps even taper off. Uh, you know, thanks to 
Durant joining the Warriors, you just have like a crowd of really good players that are going to fi- have to fight each other. Split votes, of course. Giannis could be the MVP in the next few years. The major, major takeaway I got from that piece, Nick, is that there is a Euro place in Milwaukee that we need to take an yeah. extended lunch oh, God, I love a lunch to. I think I map searched it, and it's about an hour away from where we are in Madison. So maybe we'll take a, an extended lunch and hope to see Giannis and get a Euro with him. Yeah, fire up the Rotowire helicopter, fly <laughs> over there, drop in quick. Uh, yeah, that would be great. So Giannis, I want to talk, we'll close out with, with some triple-double talk. So 14 players, 14 different players have already recorded a triple-double this season. Giannis is one of them. Nick Batum, Malcolm Brogdon, KD, Tim Frazier, Marcus Gasol, Draymond Green, James Harden, LeBron, CP3, Julius Randle has two, Rondo snuck one in, uh, Carl Towns, and of course, Russell Westbrook. Last season, 24 players including the great Raymond Felton and the equally great Matt Barnes, recorded triple-doubles. Um, so if you want to use that logic, we still got like 10 more guys who are going to get some this season, um, you know, give or take. Who would you bet on to, to record a triple-double first? I think it'd have to be John Wall. A yeah, guy I that was can... surprised he hadn't done it. Yeah, a guy that can easily get to 10 assists, easily, easily. Um, basically, it's just like, will his players clear out when the rebound is obviously going towards yeah. the Wizards? Um, that's what, you know, what's kind of funny is that we talk about Harden and, and Westbrook getting so many rebounds and so great. A lot of those, like maybe half, come when their their teammates just clear out. Like anybody could grab it, but they're going to bring the call, the ball up anyway, so just get out of his way. Right. Um, so I, I, that's going to happen with John Wall. He'll get a triple-double. I want to talk about something real quick, though. I'm glad you brought up Julius Randle because we had discussions of of what he was going to be this year and what kind of offense the Lakers would run and what he could do. And I said, he's going to be a baby Draymond Green. Why wouldn't he? He's got the coach who ran that offense last year. You don't need to be... You don't need to exactly duplicate what the Warriors are doing, but if you can do a poor man's version of it, you're going to be a very good team. I think I w- I think that's a very good comp at this point in the season. You fought me, and, and probably rightly so in the preseason, but you've seen him. You've watched him. Do you think that the closest comp to Draymond Green in the NBA right now is Julius Randle? Uh, I mean, I think... I think that's fair because, like, how many guys could you even, like, really consider, you know? Like, you kind of have to look at, all right, undersized power forwards, that that pairs it down. You know, guys who can handle the ball, that pairs it down even more. Guys who can pass pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I think he probably is. You know, thinking off the top of my head, you know, there's not, like I said, there's just not that many guys you could even make a legitimate case Mason for. Mason Plumley is somebody, right. he's way taller, I don't, but yeah, in I terms of how like, they operate on the court. Yeah, I mean, you look at his last month, uh, not just in the month of December, you know, last 14 games, 15 points, nine rebounds, four assists, uh, 49% from the floor, you know, still bad from beyond the arc, but he's not taking that many, which is nice. Uh, that's kind of the thing for me that uh, separates him a little bit from Draymond is he doesn't quite stretch the floor. And that's kind of the next step for him. I think being undersized, you want that. Uh, but like the rebounding tenacity at his size is incredible. He's not the defender that Draymond Green is by any means, and that's an issue. But I don't think it's a lack of effort with him. You know, I think it's just kind of learning how to be an NBA defender. And you got to remember, this guy missed his entire rookie season. Yeah, the the defense obviously is the glaring issue, but it's more fun to talk about offense, anyways. But I know that's a major part of what Draymond Green brings to an NBA basketball court. But in terms of offense, I think they're pretty similar. Uh, So we agree that John Wall might be the best candidate. Kyle Lowry has 
neared a triple-double right. a couple of times. He's got nine rebounds twice. We know he can get up to 10 assists, but not at the regular rate that John Wall does. Yeah. Anybody else that you we should put on triple-double alert? Butler will do it probably in the next like two weeks. 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Embiid is the only guy who could get to 10 blocks and do it. Um, I, you know, like blocks can be White a little side? fluky. Well, I see I had Whiteside, and then I looked. like He had 12 games last season of at least – uh, or sorry, of at least six blocks. So you know, six to ten. Two. I think he had three triple doubles with blocks last year, which I kind of didn't remember happening. Right now, he has just one game this year of more than five blocks. How do you not remember it happening? Nobody's doing it with trip. Nobody's doing oh, it with blocks. Right. Nobody's doing it with blocks. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking there was just no context to that because, like with Whiteside, <laughs> he could have just been saying that. He, yeah, he got a triple yeah. double last year. He, I think they were pretty close back. To, he's like, nobody yeah. got, nobody's getting triple yeah, doubles with blocks. blocks. No. Larry Sanders um, did it. Hassan, he did. True, and a lot of others. But uh, yeah, so Embiid, I think, could do it. Kemba, I think, will do it at some point. Um, ben Simmons, I think, once he gets back, could start doing like. His triple doubles would be like twelve points, ten rebounds, ten assists. Like he's not going to put up a monster triple double, but I think he does enough at every category. Will he play enough minutes? We'll see. Michael Carter Williams, I think, mm. can potentially do that. Let's not forget in his Turnovers, very first three, very first NBA game, he had a triple double. He's the type of player where he could potentially do that. Do I think? That everybody should go put a bunch of stock in MCW. No, but he is one of those players that could do it. Okay. Um, parting question: Would you rather have Aaron Gordon or Julius Randall? Julius right Randall, not even close. Like, I think I think there people would fight you on that, but I'm I with, know I'm with you. I'm you, on your side. Here. James Anderson would fight me on that, and I. T- Perhaps it's because the Orlando Magic have completely stunted his growth as an NBA player. Perhaps it's that they're playing him out of position. Perhaps it's that they're not giving him enough minutes. But Julius Randle has just shown me way more. I, I like his his value moving forward. But if Gordon was on a different team playing power forward and playing 28 minutes a game on average, then who knows? Until then, I'll just see him in the dunk competition. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Aaron Gordon, like nobody's talking about Aaron Gordon anymore, and that's kind of a shame because he should be really good, and he's just so wildly misused. But yeah, like right now, like it's hard not to say Randall. I mean, if it's not I, even close, Nick. I do think like if you just swapped him right now, and like Gordon was in L.A. getting the minutes and the role that Randall is, like I feel like he could be doing it pretty well. Like, Randall would just kind of be stuck in Orlando like that. I don't know. Like, I just don't think we have enough evidence yet on Gordon. But because of that, the answer is Randall, right? Well, Randall fits in better as a small forward. I think he could potentially do more for the Magic as as a small forward, Randall, that is. If if you're talking about switching him, I'm not sure that Gordon is quite able to duplicate what Randall does. I think Randall's a little bit of a better passer, better ball handler. Uh, Randall, of course, has a bunch of turnovers. By no means am I condoning how many turnovers he has, and that's because he's forcing a lot of situations and he's going at a lot of players Mm -hmm. from the top of the key, and there's a lot of space for him to turn the ball over from the top of the key. To the, when he finally gets to the rim, and but I still think that he's a better candidate to be doing that than Evan Go- Aaron Gordon uh, is. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that'll do it. James and I will be back tomorrow talking NBA draft stuff, uh, and you'll be back with Shannon and Ken on Friday, right? Correct. All right.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.